Welcome, everyone, to Paranormal Roundtable. Howdy, folks. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and with me is my co-host, Anthony. Anthony. And it's a me, Mushu. Okay, Tony, um, Mushu. What so we have an old prospector and uh, an Italian plumber here with us. It's great. It's us. Yes. <laughs> That's y'all to a T, for sure. So what we have for you tonight is a, is a show. We're going to have a good show. We always do. And we're going to talk about a lot of interesting things. But first, I got to talk about some things that I need to talk about. First things first, Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. That's how you get a hold of me and you can tell me your stories. Or I'm Josh Turner 940 on Instagram. And then you can find me on Facebook. I'm just plain old Josh Turner on there. Uh, on Facebook, we do have some groups. We have the Josh Wolf Turner PRT. I can't remember the name of it. It's a... Yeah, I don't know. It's a fan page. Phil named it like silly. Phil Stern, he he, he did that. And uh, Chris Clough is in there and Curtis Turner, and they're all doing all kinds of goofy stuff, doing memes. But anyway, that's that. It's a fun page. But then we have some more serious stuff. Uh, We are partnered up with Barton Barton Nunley from Inhumanoids. And we also, I'm an admin in Daryl Denton's group of Bigfoot. um, Bigfoot Believers. Bigfoot Believers and other creatures or something like that. A huge group, and I'm an admin in that, and then I'm an admin in Quad Coalition of Sciences with Nick Valente. Go join those pages, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Nick is also the head of the IDP, the International Dogman Project, which is kind of something we're going to talk about tonight: the International Dogman. Uh, and then we have the Paranormal Roundtable group, uh, f- uh, Facebook group. Go check that out. We will be dropping the link to this uh, show every Tuesday and Thursday show. We drop the link on there. And if you leave a comment, you might be picked to win an autographed book. Um, and a few other little things that we throw in for this, for, you know. So just go leave a go leave a comment and then you could win. Yeah, especially uh, coming up because this, this time we're going to have our conference posters signed by all three of us here so yeah that's something you might get as well yeah 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 because we've got a lot of them so we're going to give them start giving them away yeah so definitely want to check it out folks uh go check it out paranormal roundtable group and we have the paranormal lounge which is nelly's and then we have the paranormal holistic uh healing and then we have the paranormal prayer group all those run by nelly and so don't miss it go check it out you won't be disappointed. Lots of information. I meet a lot of amazing people in those groups. And uh, I'm in a, a lot of other groups. I can't even tell you how many. Uh, a lot. And and I get a lot of inform- you know, interesting information. Like on the live stream, we showed a picture of what looked like a demonic entity or maybe a dogman looking creature. I don't know what it was. But it was in someone's closet. And I met her through one of the groups that we're in. Um, and so she gave me permission. Her name is Michaela. She gave us permission to, to, to use the picture. And so that was on one of the live streams, um, last, uh, Friday or yeah. last, uh, Sunday's Sunday. live stream. Yeah. Not, not last Sunday. It wouldn't have been at the, as of the airing of this, it would have been like, well, three, like three two, or four, two or three weeks ago. <laughs> it's uh, a while ago. But. Yeah. But if you're keeping up with the live streams, which I hope you do you will uh, know what we're talking about. Now, being on the live stream Fridays where we have guests and then Sundays where we retell stories, it's a good way to keep abreast of what's going on with Paranormal Roundtable. Also, if, if you're in the Super Chat and or if you're in the premiere chat of this episode, you can always uh, do a Super Chat and make a donation. It's a good way to support the show or go to the Paranormal Roundtable store, buy one of those beautiful zip-up hoodies that everybody likes so much. Uh, we are selling those like crazy. Uh, it's a great way to help the show and support us by wearing our merchandise. And we want people to walk around wearing because it advertises for us. Uh, tell your friends, your parents, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, everybody that Paranormal Roundtable exists and that we do a good job and we appreciate it. Also, join the Patreon. We have a $10, 20 30 40 $50 tier. Now, let me be very specific. The $10 tier, you get an autograph book from one of many different authors, David Weatherly, Barton Nunley, Ken Gerhard, et cetera. Uh, so you will be, after two months, be eligible for a book and some some stickers and some other stuff that we give out, uh, keychains. And then there's a $20 tier, and the $20 tier is just like the $10 tier, except you get uh, a T-shirt. 
Um, now, on the $30 tier, you get everything that you get on the $20 tier, except if we have a hoodie your size, we'll send you a hoodie if it's wintertime. Now, on the $30 tier, you get two books. On the $40 tier, you get everything that you get from the $30 tier, except you get two books from di- two different from different authors, whatever, and then you get one of mine. That's on the $40 tier, right? And then you get everything you get from the $30 tier. $50 tier, you get both of my autograph books, The Werewolves and the Dogman Phenomena and The Bigfoot Phenomena. And then you get two books uh, from different authors. So you get four books on the $50 tier after two months, along with a hoodie, uh, T-shirt, whatever, you know, whatever we have in stock. Um, that's your choice, a hoodie or a T-shirt. Also, on the $50 tier, if we have it in stock and you're so inclined, since it's wintertime, we decided that we would send you a free beanie along with your beautiful hoodie. So just be sure and remind us, hey, I want my beanie. If it's not wintertime, then ask for a hat. All right. That being said, let's get started. So this story takes place uh, outside of a city in in a province um, of, well, I guess it's a state province, whatever, in Mexico. It's called Jalisco. And Jalisco, it's in the West, um, it's like right near Guadalajara, but it's, it's its own province. And this story, we've gotten some out of this, these different regions. And I think that, uh, talking about these stories from Mexico has made other people come forward and say, Hey, um, in fact, quite a few people saying that they have stories to tell about their families and friends and, and stuff that when they were in Mexico or living in Mexico, the person that reached out to me for this story, uh, his name is Mario, and it talks. He talks about his cousin Diego and his uncle Marco, and then their great uncle, which I'm not even going to say his name. We'll just call him Arturo. That's not even his real name. We're just going to call him that. Um, and it's probably best that we don't say his name. But uh, this is something that happened years ago. <clears throat> He's been living in the United States for almost 20 years. His brother or his uh, cousins been living in the States for 13. So they told me a pretty fascinating story. And he said that he goes, you, you, my, my, my great uncle and my uncle were involved in something that can only be described as supernatural involving this creature that you call uh, the dog man or the hombre lobo, as some people in Sp- Spanish-speaking people call it. And he said that that um, he got involved in listening and learning about this creature because of what happened to them, in particular what happened to his uncle. Now, the backstory: his uncle was involved in some not-so-legal <laughs> dealings at one point, and uh, he got in trouble. He got caught, and he did some time. And um, not, to, not to go all in-depth about what he did, but let's just say that it involved – uh, elements of crime that you don't want to mess with down in Mexico. And so he, he it was involved in smuggling, uh, and he would use these little ceramic chihuahuas, and they would put stuff in them, and then they would smuggle it across the border. And it wasn't just, you know, narcotics. It was like all kinds of other things. And they, they used them for all, all, all sorts of different, uh, you know, and so – he said, you know, that, that his uncle Marco was a good guy, but he strayed from the path of being a, a, a you know, a good dude and, and kind of went dark. And then he came back and was a good guy again. Well, they lived outside the city of Zapopan. And one of the things that, um, that his uncle did, he got a job working on this like big farm out, outside of the city where, you know, he could start over and and live his life and try to be a good person because he was not a good person. And he was like, and, and one of the things he did, he turned his life back over to God and he started being religious, started going to church, started reading the Bible, yada, yada, yada. And he said, dude, in all the years that he was doing what he was doing, there was a lot of very dangerous situations, very hairy situations he got into. Nothing could prepare him for what ended up happening. Um, his great uncle was married to a woman who was rumored to be into brujeria, which is like witchcraft. Her son, and I'll give you a little backstory on him. 
um, this would be there. This would be Marcos, um, the guys that told me the story. Now let's let's make sure you understand. Their names are Diego and Mario. They told me the story, and Marcos is their uncle. Now Marcos's uncle, which would be those boys' great uncle, um, he. He was somebody totally different. That's the guy we're going to call Arturo. So just try to keep up. We'll just call him Art for short. And Art had a stepson. Um, the stepson was a very odd looking kid, to say the least. He was in his early 20s when they met him, uh, these two guys that gave me the story. And of course, now they're in their 30s or whatever, but this was years ago. This was like 20 years ago. They're like in their late 30s, almost 40 years old. So you you do the math. I mean, they were young, young, late teens, early 20s. And this guy, they all knew that there was something wrong with him. Um, they didn't really know much about like, you know, like his, his upbringing or whatever. They just knew that he was always with their great uncle and their great uncle gave them a job working on this farm and they were recruited by their uncle Marcos to go and work on this farm. They didn't have many, much dealings with the great uncle. It was mostly Marcos and and he ran a, a crew of guys for, for the, the uncle and but they they would sometimes have to be around him, like on Sundays when they'd eat dinner and stuff like that at the ranch house. And they would be exposed to this guy that worked for him. Now, the guy that worked for him, um, he the, the the description that was given to me, he was six foot seven, which is extremely tall. You yeah. know, in Mexico, the, that's tall here. The stepson, yeah, yeah the that's tall anywhere, yeah. but especially yeah. in Mexico. He was very like as they described him. He was very like he he would walk around with his mouth like open all the time, mouth he, breathing, mouth oh. breathing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very skinny, had a very very really slender waist, but he had very long skinny gangly arms. Um, kind of had cold dead eyes, long legs, and there were rumors going back from when they were young, um, not knowing much about this kid, not knowing him that well, that he didn't go to school, he didn't do anything, that he was just kind of feral. And when they looked in his eyes, his eyes had this striking look about him, like they were hazel eyes, but sometimes they would change color and at times they would look almost yellow. And they said that if you saw him in the right light, you would be like shocked at his eyes looking so amber. And they said that he was a, uh, like they said, a malcontent. He was never happy. He was always muttering and grumbling. Um, he He did not have any form of mental... Uh, like retardation that they know of, but they did think that he he was slow, but they didn't know anything about it, what it was. There was nobody that had diagnosed and said, this is what these got. Um, but they assumed that that's probably what was going on. Uh, but as it turns out, he was actually pretty clever. Um, he managed to have a relationship with a girl for years that nobody even knew about which was even weirder. Like, yeah, he had a girlfriend. Now, she was a kind of like him. She was kind of simple, at least they assumed, right? And that she lived out on the edge of town. And it turns out that he even had a child with her. Oh, wow. And she lived like way out in the middle of nowhere. And supposedly her family was very poor and they were rumored to be into some weird stuff like incest and whatever. And that she... Uh, ran around barefooted all the time and was pretty feral too herself. And her family was very rural. Uh, most of them couldn't read or write. And the way that they made money was by stealing. Um, they were kind of like gypsies in a way. And they just kind of settled in that area and nobody really knew where they came from. The rumor was that this girl that he was in love with, her dad was actually his dad. And that he had actually forced himself on their great uncle's, uh, you know, late wife. She passed away from cancer. So he actually took uh, pity on this kid and took him in and raised him as his own. But when he found out that he was uh, consorting with this girl, he flew into a rage and actually forbid him from going to see this girl. Uh, and and the rumor, it's just a rumor. They never confirmed it, but they thought that it was probably because it was his half-sister. And so that's, yeah, it's a very weird sort of uh, 
Jerry Springer uh, with mariachis. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, he they were telling me all this, and I was like, wow. But it, it gets even weirder because the girl that he was all infatuated with was all in love with whatever. Um, sometimes she could be seen walking around with no clothes on, on all fours, running back and forth across these creeks and into these like hills. And people would be like, what in the hell? Uh, and there was a rumor also that she had been raised, uh, with dogs, like that she had been left to, to die by her mother who didn't want her. And, um, that supposedly she was raised by dogs and then her dad went and got her and brought her back and raised her and took care of her. Um, and then of course the rumor that this young man was also his kid, but their great uncle was a pretty benevolent guy and he took pity on the kid and he raised him as his own. And a lot of times he could be seen going into town to get feed and do different things. And he would have him with him and everybody always felt really uncomfortable around him. And he said that he had a very protruding brow line and that he had these weird looking striking eyes and he says, one time when I was a kid, this was Mario, he told me, he says, when I was like seven, eight years old, he said, me, my sister Lydia, he's like, she was like, you know, all of six, maybe five. And he's like, he's like, dude, we were, we were little kids. We were on the back of the, in the back of the truck of my grandfather's truck. He goes, and I will never forget it. We're with my abuelito. He goes, and we, we see, we're driving along down this country road. He's like, and we see this creature that looked kind of like a gorilla mixed with a man. He's like, and I'll never forget it. And he's like, my, my abuelito, my grandfather said that that was a Bigfoot, but it was a Sasquatch, you know? And so he said that for, for the rest of his life, he was fascinated and enthralled by the whole idea that Bigfoot lived out in those hills. But he said that this kid in the face kind of looked like that. You know, they had, they had this kind of like Neanderthal look about him. And he said that he had never forgotten that. And he always, when he would see this guy, he just thought, man, this guy's so ugly. Uh, and, you know, and he he called him fail, which is ugly in Spanish, yeah. right? And he said, I said, so so how would you describe him, you know, like if you had to, you know, give me a, a few words. He says, take lurch and make him uglier. And just. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I thought of was lurch. Yeah, he said lurch, really ugly, but mixed with like a Sasquatch. Because he was very hairy, too. Um, but he didn't have like that condition, you know, with like hair on the face, nothing like that. But he had like a very unkept hair, unkept beard, and he had like a, like his arms and legs. Everything was very hairy. A real life curly. And, and he said it was just like very, very ugly guy. And he said if you got too close to him, you could smell his breath. It smelled like rotting meat. Gross. And he was a very gross uh, guy. And so he goes, the idea that this guy actually had a girlfriend when we found out, you know, he goes, I thought it was just obscene, you know, even a feral girl that runs around on all fours, who the hell is going to want to be with this guy? Yeah. And so he just thought that was odd and, and he was just an odd guy and he just kind of like, you know, kept his distance from him. And when he would see him uh, coming down the, the, the road and to, to get the guys from the bunkhouse to go eat, you know, he would just kind of avoid him. And they would sometimes people from the family would sit down and eat Sunday dinner he goes, and this guy be at the table, and all he would do is just sit there and eat with his hands and look at his food and then get up and stare and look at everybody else. And half the time, what he was eating was like very undercooked meat. So he just thought it was just this is a weird guy, you know. Um, and so what ended up happening one day, one of the vaqueros, that's the cowboys, fall, fell off his horse and got hurt. And they didn't even, he didn't even go to the hospital, which they thought was odd. So Mario and Diego were there and they ran out to help the guy and they put him in a truck. And he says that, that, that the truck never left the, the compound. Like it was like they went back to work and they just saw the truck sitting there and later on and they saw this blood in the back of it. And they were like, well, what happened to the guy, you know, that was supposed to, to go, uh, this guy's name was Juanito. They called him Juanito. And they said, where is he? And they said, well, Juanito refused to go to the hospital and he went home. And he never came back to work. So when they asked one of the foremans uh, about this, this guy, Ricky, he told them he just quit. Don't bring it up again. And they're like, this guy had to have died because he lost a lot of blood. And it looked like on the side of his head and on his shoulder that he had been bitten by something and it looked like how a dog bite would look, you know? Yeah. 
and they thought it was odd. And so they approached their uncle, uh, Marcus, Marcos about it. And they told him, I said, they said, you know, Theo, that's uncle in Spanish. What do you think of this, this situation that happened where Juanito, he just, just, just quit. Doesn't make any sense. Right. And he says, yeah, there's a lot of weird things that aren't really adding up. He's like, Come, come the, the, the fall, he goes, you know, right before the, or, or he says, come summer, right before the, the first, uh, the heat comes in real bad. He's like, I think I'm going to quit. He goes, you guys can do what you want if you want to stay and work. And they said, no, 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 if you're quitting, we're going to quit. He says, well, I'm not going to tell, you know, Uncle Art yet, you know, what, what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, you know, stack my money and then I'm going to leave and go back into work in the town in a warehouse. And so they get get his, one of his old jobs back, not doing anything illegal, but being straight, you know. And they said, okay. And he said, if you want to join me, you can, or you're, you're welcome to stay here and work for Ricky. And they said, no, no, if you decide to leave, we'll go with you. Well, the next day, um, this young man that was very weird, odd looking, comes walking down the road. And he would oftentimes be carrying a stick and like smacking rocks and and. Like, you know, he would like take them and hit them and, and the rocks would bounce off the side of the bunkhouse. And if you didn't get out and stare at him and kind of let him know that you weren't, you were displeased with it, he would just keep doing it. And so Mario gets up and he's like, he looks at the guy at this point, he was very uh, agitated and he tells the guy, he says, do you really need to do that? Is it, is that something you just have to do? Is this, is this why? Is this important to you? And the guy just like throws a stick down. And then he said, dude, it was so fast. He was like probably 30 yards away from me. He goes within like a few steps. It seemed like he was just right in my face. And he was like, you want to say that again? And he got all up in his face. And he had never spoken more than two words to this guy. And the guy was speaking and talking well, like articulating. Yeah. And he was like, holy crap. I've never heard this guy hardly talk. And the guy was like, do you have a problem? Do you have a problem? And he told him in Spanish, you know, and he told him, no, no, no. And so he said, this guy was huge. He was towering over me. He said, and when he turned around to walk away, he goes, dude, the guy looked very big and muscular as opposed to like how he normally looked was like this tall, skinny, emaciated looking weirdo. He's like, it looked like he had gained like 50 pounds of muscle within like, you know, a day. It was like a troll. And so he said he was sitting there staring at him and he thought, this is weird. So he tells his uncle, Marcos, about it, and he says, and Marcos says, yeah, he's always made me uncomfortable. He's like, I noticed the same thing. When when I was younger, um, me and him got into it uh, at a restaurant where he went in there to get some food, and uh, he started to berate and talk be mean to one of the girls that worked there, and he knew the girl. So he said something to him, and the guy confronted him outside and he, of course, he towers over Marco. Marco's like five seven. This guy's six foot seven. He's like a foot taller than him, and probably outweighs him by a hundred pounds. And he said that he gets in my face, and and he tells me, "Hey, mind your own business before something happens." And so he goes, you know, a couple months go by, and I I talked to my uncle Arturo about it, and I said, you know, um, you know, your your stepson over here, um, he's got a real attitude, and kind of funny though that the, his nickname was Gordo. <laughs> because he's a tall, skinny guy, right? Yeah. So they called him fatty, which is not, is like calling somebody slim, you know, or tiny, you know. But Gordo, he told him, he says, Gordo, he's got an attitude. He's got a problem. And he said, dude, his great uncle said, don't make him mad. He said, he got this really panicked look on his face. And he says, don't, don't make him mad. He says, you don't know what this guy's capable of. And he said, well, he's just a kid. He's like, he's like, no, he's not a kid. He's like, he's older than you. And he's like, what? And he goes, he looks like he's like, you know, you know, he's 20 years old, 21 or something, you know. He says, no, he's about 40. Wow. And he's like, wow, he doesn't have any of the features of an older person. And he says, yeah. And so his great uncle proceeds to tell him a story, which he says he thought was mentiras, like a lie. But he said that his uncle told him that he had a condition and that something was wrong and it, it involved this pituitary gland, which made him not age as fast and all this other stuff. And he thought it was all just a bunch of bull crap. Uh, now, when Mark, when Mario asked me about this, you know, I told him, I said, I don't know off the top of my head of any condition that could make you not age, <laughs> you know, um, because I'm pretty sure that scientists would have already like d dedicated a lot of time to isolating those genes and putting them in people and trying to give them 
longevity, whatever, you know. Uh, so I told him, I said, I don't know anything about, you know, like that would cause that. Uh, now off the top of my head. And I didn't really get into it, you know, researching it, whatever. Uh, but I did tell him one thing that I thought at this point in time in the story, but I didn't, I'm not going to say it to you now. And he, he tended to agree with me. Of course, knowing what he knew and knowing what I came to know. And he, so he continues telling me there was another weird incident that happened. Another time there was a guy that had fallen off of his horse. I mean, not fallen off his horse, had gotten hit uh, uh, by one of the horse, kicked one by one of the horses. Uh, and it happened years ago. And that guy, uh, Gordo, was one of the only people that witnessed this. So this guy's head was cut open and he claimed that it happened from a horse's hoof kicking him in the head. And the horse ended up being put down. Uh, for being out of control or whatever. And it was all based on this guy's word. And that ended up making that guy into a vegetable. And when that guy was sitting in the uh, the hospital, uh, according to what Marcos told Mario and Diego, he said that that his great uncle told him that the doctor said that these, these wounds were not uh, not made, from a horse. They're not made from a horse. They're not consistent with a horse or a donkey kicking somebody. Um, he said, I don't know what could have done this. He goes, but it looks more like a bite to the head. And, uh, there again, and the only witness was this weirdo. And so he supposedly saves the guy, but then a couple days after this guy's in the hospital and he's supposedly not, he's in a coma, he goes missing. And then his family never sees him again and they don't know what happened to the body. And it ha he went missing right after he was starting to become conscious, but he still couldn't talk really well. And so then he disappears from the hospital and nobody ever sees him. Well, these things start to add up and there starts to be rumors, you know, and everybody starts to say, hey, there's something weird about Gordo. He's over here, you know, whenever something happens. And then the horse that was put down, um, he was in charge of disposing of it. It was found about four or five miles out and out in the country, um, like taken apart like pieces of it taken apart and like there were big chunks of it missing like somebody was eating it and they thought that that was extremely odd well when they asked him about it he said he dumped it off and coyotes must have got a hold of it you know or wolves and that's that how is how they explained it well this girl that he was infatuated with eventually they meet her at a dinner they go they go to town and they have this big festival or whatever that they they have and this, uh, it's not a festival, it's a quinceanera, whatever. She comes to town, her little sister's there too, and she's really good friends with the girl that was having the quince, so the quinceanera. So then she, she introduces them, um, and she doesn't act like a, a feral animal like they thought, <clears throat> like the rumors, you know. She's dressed like a normal girl. However, she is barefoot. And she has some really gnarly looking feet. And they were like, I was looking at her feet and thinking, man, what the hell? And she had like a lot of hair on her arms and a lot of hair on her legs. You could see the legs. And he's like, and it was, it was disgusting. He goes, it was, she was not uh, properly groomed or cared for, but she talked like a normal person. And her little sister seemed kind of reserved and kind of shy. But for the most part, she seemed normal. And he said that the the uh, Gordo kind of like was like shadowing her the whole time, kind of around her, you know. And his great uncle, their great uncle, Art, was like just kind of observing and watching and got inebriated at this little get together. And he told the boys, he said, let me tell you something. He goes, stay clear of that guy. He's like, he's my, he's my stepson and out of my love for my late wife, he goes, I've, I've raised him as my own and I'm the only dad he really knows. So, but I can tell you, just stay clear of him. Okay. Don't be alone with him and definitely don't go out at night with him anywhere. They thought, wow, this is odd. You know, uh, this guy is baracho, as they say, drunk in Spanish and he's telling them all this stuff you know, about this dude. And so he goes, we, we were walking home. Um, it was only, it's only a few kilometers out into the, to the bunkhouse where we were at. So we decided to walk. He goes, we had been drinking and we had a bottle of tequila. We were all, it was about five or six of us. We were sharing it. 
and we're walking back. He goes, and while we're walking back, we hear this howling noise and it was all to the right of us. Everybody was looking over to their right and they could hear it. And then they hear this growling and this guttural sound that sounds like uh, some sort of vicious dog. And it sounded like it was in the process of chewing or, or on something or tearing something apart, but they didn't hear an animal or anything shrieking or freaking out. They just heard that. And so one of the guys was kind of curious. He said, you know, let's go look and see what it is. It's just coming from right over this this hill. And they were like, no, 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 no. We, we don't want to know. The rest of them were like, no, no, no. We need to get home. You know, and then one of them even mentioned Amade Lobo. Like this could be like this this werewolf type creature that there's like a myth about it, right? And they were like, I, you know, you're, you're, you're a... Uh, you know, scaredy cat, whatever, you know, you're afraid, whatever. And they teased him and made fun of him. And he says, no, 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 I believe in this stuff. And the, so when they get back to the bunkhouse, they start talking and he goes to that guy and he says, why do you believe in this? He goes, because I've seen it. And he said, what does it look like? And he says, well, it looks like a gray wolf that can stand up on its hind legs and it walks like a man. It's very skinny, but it has little short pointy ears and a humongous snout full of teeth. He goes, where did you see it at? He goes, out on the edge of the property. And I've seen it twice. One time I saw it sitting on a hill and it had one of the goats and it was just eating it. He goes, and another time I saw it like walking around on on all fours, but it was like these long, skinny front arms of like a man, but the back legs of like a wolf. He goes, and it was like walking and it looked like it was stalking one of the dogs. And then the next thing you know, it chased after one of the the dogs and, and it caught it. And then took it off into the woods. He goes, I told the foreman, um, and he took it up to the to the higher ups, and they just said, just ignore it. Don't you know? Don't mess with it. And he thought it was kind of odd. And he so this guy tells him, he says, this thing exists. And whatever that was, we heard. He goes, I guarantee you, that's what it was. And he says, really? He says, yeah. And he goes, do you think that it's a werewolf? And he goes, like a person? He goes, I don't know. I haven't seen anybody change into one, but if I had to take a guess, this thing is some sort of beast that lives amongst us. And that was a very telling statement. So Mario says the dude, he goes, I couldn't sleep. He goes, me and Diego were like just one of their friends that worked there with them. Uh, very, cl- they were very close with, and he they, they said they stayed up all night just talking about it and thinking about it. And then the next day, the very next day, this goofy guy, Gordo, comes to the bunkhouse knocking on the on the door, and the guy that told him the story, he goes off with him, and he, they're walking and talking. He said, and then the next day, they're told he quit. He never came back. They never saw him again. And one of the other cowboys that was in the, 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 the bunkhouse next to theirs, and he said all of the younger, rowdier guys stayed in their bunkhouse, and all the older, more mature guys stayed in the other bunkhouse. Well, this one guy named Pedro says... Last night, I saw Gordo kind of sneaking around between the bunkhouses. So then, you know, Mario tells me, he says, dude, I get, I put two and two together. He's like, I'm thinking, this dude, this fool was walking around listening to our conversation. He's like, then the next day he comes and gets this guy. Then we never see him again. And I said, did you ever see him again? He goes, nope, never, ever saw him again, ever. He goes, all I knew was that he was from Guadalajara and that was it. I never, we, none of us ever heard from him or saw him or anything. They all said that he just quit and went back and that, that that supposedly Gordo had come and said, Hey, your mom is really sick. And that was it. He's like, it's not like him. He didn't come back and get his stuff. He didn't come back and say goodbye or nothing. Just that was it. And so then he's like, we go to our uncle, uh, Marco, and Marco tells him, he's like, I got my suspicions about Gordo and what I think is going on, but I, I don't know if I should say it. And so they're eating dinner, you know, and he says, well, just say it. And he says, well, I found something very odd. He's like, if you go back down behind the main house, there's a cellar right there and it's built down into the ground and you can't, you can't even tell that it's there. He's like, I stumbled upon, I tripped over it one day. And, uh, and then I thought, I thought, what the heck is that? That's odd. He goes, and then I found this like a uh, rope and I started pulling. And then I saw that there was like this whole like door, like this trap door. He goes, I opened it up He goes, I looked around, I didn't see anybody. So I started going down there. He goes, and when I got down there, 
I, I saw this gray wolf-like creature sitting inside of a cage, sleeping. He's like, and I thought it was really odd. He goes, and as I got closer, he goes, I saw something that didn't make any sense at all. The upper body looked like that of a man, covered in gray fur, and the lower body was like a wolf's. He's like, and this thing was sound asleep. He goes, and I looked around, and I was just like, man, I want to get the hell out of here. So he ran back up the steps. He goes, and then, he goes, as I was running up the steps, this thing, I could, I looked back, and I saw that it was like moving. The back legs were moving like it was waking up. So I closed the door, and I took off. And he said, when he was walking up to the bunk, uh, walking up to the main ranch house to talk to his uncle, he, he's like, I was going to ask Art what that is and what, what is that creature? What's it doing in the back, in your, essentially in your backyard, you know, near this atrium? And so he, his uncle comes out and he says he was very calm, very methodical, and he's rolling this home-rolled cigarettes that he liked to roll, these cigarros. And he tells him, you know, he offers him one and he says, sure. So they start smoking. He says, what you saw, because he knew apparently, he says, you can never talk about ever. He's like, if you do, your life will be in serious danger. He's like, don't, don't ask, you know? And so he told him, what is that? He goes, I can't tell you. He's like, just don't ask. And so he says, all right. So, you know, he, he lets it go. And, you know, a couple of weeks go by and of course he can't keep it to himself. So he's telling these guys about it. And then he tells them something odd. He says, you know, I didn't see Gordo for about three days. There was no sign of him. Um, and all my uncle would tell me was that he had gone to town. And he was like, Gordo doesn't go anywhere by himself, you know, other than on the property, on the compound. He doesn't walk to town by himself. And the only place he ever goes off the compound alone is to go visit that girl that they think is his sister. So, a few days, a few days go by after they, he tells Mario and them this. And they wake up in the middle of the night to one of the guys screaming. And there is this gray, furry arm reaching through the window and it's grabbing one of the cowboys and it's got him halfway out the window and they see this giant wolf-like head come in and it's snapping and biting and the guy puts his hand up to try to push its face back and it literally bit half of his hand off right in front of them and there's blood going everywhere. He's like, we wake up to seeing this. So we all pull out guns and start firing at this thing and then it's, it's finally stops and backs off and then jumps out off of the wall. And then we, we look out the window and we see it running up the hill and it's bleeding. So we all go outside and we see, and there's like seven or eight of us. He says, you know, we're looking and the, the guy whose hand was bitten off, we had to get him to the hospital. So we take him to the hospital, and we, which is in town, you know, the closest one we could get to. He's like, we're halfway there. And this giant creature comes running out of the darkness once again. And smacks into the side of their truck. And some of the guys are in the back of the truck and they start shooting at it. And then on the other side, this other gray looking creature, but a little bit smaller, comes and hits the side of the truck and then starts to put its arm up on the truck and tries to get into the back. And these, these, these ranch hands, these farmers, ranch hands, whatever, they start stabbing at it and, and shooting it and shooting both of them, trying to get away from it. And eventually, these two creatures just both veer off and go in different directions out into the woods, and they just dr drive into town, and they take this guy to the hospital. When they get to the hospital, this guy is convulsing. He's going, he's having seizures, and the next thing you know, he's in a coma. The doctor comes out and starts asking him, you know, questions, and he said, what happened? They said, well, this uh, dog, wolf, I don't know what it was, bit him. So he thought, well, what, what could be causing him to have seizures and convulsions? He's losing blood from his hand, but that wouldn't be causing all that. Uh, eventually, this guy, Augustine, the one that was bitten, that's the guy's name, he ends up coming out of the, of the hospital, and he tells them a really weird story. He tells them that he'd been having these weird dreams, and he told them that he couldn't sleep at night, and he, every time he would try to wake up or go to sleep, he would wake up drenched in sweat. And that he would wake up in weird places. And he tells him, dude, my hand, you know, he's like, they, they reattached. 
his hand, but it was just useless. He couldn't do anything, right? And so then after a couple of weeks, his hand is already like, you could still see a scar there, but it was fully functional again. That's really weird. Do you remember how Chris Kramer came on the show and he talked about the, the, his hand being mangled and tore up and he thinks that a Bigfoot actually helped heal it? Yeah. It was a crazy story. Well, this guy said that there was this weird dream he had where this wolf-like creature comes walking into his house uh, where he lived with his mother in town. And the thing literally like gave him some blood from his own hand, this wolf-like creature that had like arms like a man and poured it on his hand. He says, I fall back to sleep in this dream, right? And then the next day I wake up and my hand is like halfway healed. And then it just slowly began to heal. So then Mario asked him, he says, do you think it could have been a dream? He says, no, I don't think it was a dream. I just think it was dreamlike. He goes, but it seems so real. He goes, but what could do something like that? I don't know. So eventually they quit. Their uncle leaves and tells the, they hit their great uncle, hey, we're going to hit the road. You know, thank you for, you know, giving us a job, but we're all going to go work in a warehouse in town. And uh, they split, and that's the end of that. Well, about a year later, about a year goes by, and they go to a big festival in town, and their great uncle is there, and he brings Gordo. When Gordo comes in, he's dressed decent, like a normal person. He's actually wearing shoes, and he's his hair is cut and everything, and he's looking more dapper, let's put it that way. He sits down at a table with them, and he begins, uh, you know, tearing tearing the tortilla and, like, eating it, whatever. And uh, he tells them, he says, I know you guys know my situation. He's like, and I appreciate you not ever telling anyone about it. And he's like, they, they acted dumb at first. They were like, what do you mean? He goes, well, your uncle, Marco, he goes, he came down one day when I was asleep. He's like, and I was in my cage. He goes, and I know that he saw me. And Mario and Diego are sitting there, and they were like, holy crap. And he, they're like, uh, that was you? And he said, yeah, that's me. And then he gave him a very dire warning. He says, if you ever tell anybody about this, he's like, that'll be it for you. And then they asked him another question. They said, was it you that attacked the, the truck? He said, oh, no, no, that wasn't me. He's like, that was my sister, both of them. And he's like, so they are your sisters. And he says, yes. He's like, we inherited this from our dad. He's like, I don't know what I am. I don't know why I am. I just know that I am this whatever. And he said, they asked him some other questions and they said, well, you know, what's it like? And he's like, it's very painful. He's like, and it's not something I asked for. He's like, but I readily accept it. And he said that um, at any time, he's able to change. Like he can change. The problem is sometimes he gets stuck and he can't change back. So then when he has these uh, moments of where, you know, clarity, he'll go down into the cage and, and lock himself in there because then he'll lose his human mind again and he won't even have a clue. He can't control himself. He can't control himself. So there's only like bouts of clarity there. But he said that um, it's very, to him, it was, it, he, the words he used, like it's liberating and it's, and it's cool to be bestial and just give in to your desires and not live by the rules of mankind. Now, if you read about Aleister Crowley, that was his whole thing. You remember how he called himself the beast? Yeah. And he liked to just, you know, live like with no, no, no rules, no, you know, whatever, and just let yourself become bestial. Yeah. And the Satanists have a word, a uh, phrase for that. They call it atavistic resurgence. It's that, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like just giving into your basic, like reptilian brain, you know, animalistic urges, mm -hmm. living like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He claims that his real dad, that the, the, was the father of those two girls, that his real dad 
told him years ago what he was and who he was and actually showed him uh, the first time he had ever uh, even entertained the idea that he could have been different. His dad came and took him and took off his clothes and changed into a wolf right in front of him. Now, according to him, their family, their bloodline goes back to Spain, but they're not Spaniards. They were gypsies. And this is what he told Mario, and Mario told me this, and I, and I, I don't know. I don't know what I believe, but I know that Mario and his, his cousin believe this because I talked to both of them. And Mario said that, you know, he said that they told him they were gypsies, and they came over, you know, with the Spaniards years and years ago, like generations ago. And they originally were being used as like a weapon against the Indians there by the Spaniards. They brought them over and allowed them to uh, give them positions of power over people. And uh, periodically, they would pick people off and just do whatever they did. And he said that his dad taught him this and told him this and said, you know, I don't know, like even his dad didn't know where this came from or why it was what it was. He just knew that it was. Now, if you stop and you think about this, could this story be true? Could there be uh, people that, that do this and it's like an inherited thing that goes through their bloodline? Or they have the ability to deceive us maybe? Or I don't know how you would do it. Or, or you know, because if we, if we do live in like this matrix – can they, do they know a code or something? I mean, you know, I don't know. These thoughts have raced through my mind, you know, especially hearing a story like this. And one of the things that, that Mario said, he's like, dude, I'm not interested in telling anyone that researched Dogman about this because he says they're not going to believe it. He's like, you know, he goes, I tried typing this story onto a group and everybody ridiculed me and made fun of me. He's like, but they're missing the truth about it. This is what he said. I'm not saying I believe this. But what Mario said was they're missing the truth about what these things are. He's like, I believe that they're part of the bloodline and that they can shapeshift. They can do this. And he, we went on to have a conversation about reptilians. And I had asked him if he knew about the reptilians. He didn't know a whole lot about that, but his cousin did. And his cousin, when they were on the, both on the phone with me, um, he did tell me, yes, I've heard of these reptilian shapeshifters. And I don't think it's much different than these guys. Uh, they do the same thing. It's something that he believes goes way back beyond ancient that we can't possibly comprehend. Well, we can't comprehend Bigfoot. We can't comprehend ghosts. We really don't know what these are. And I think it's really funny that people always say, well, I don't believe these are shapeshifters. I don't believe this. I don't believe that. But yet, bunches and bunches of people see people change into stuff. In fact, there's a video that's been going around on TikTok. I don't have TikTok, but other people that I know do. And they sent it to me. And it shows a, a cat literally morph into like a human. And as the it, it becomes like a, a humanoid figure. And then it starts, it starts walking. And then it looks like a guy wearing a jacket and clothes. Now, I mean... I don't know if that's real, but I know a guy that, that you guys probably know who I'm talking about. He's from China, and he had told me a story about seeing a person that was a pig, and the pig turned into a human being. And yeah. He says that he witnessed it in front of three of his cousins, or three of his uh, siblings. And, of course, we had somebody on our show, literally come on our show and claim that he saw some sort of feral hog turn into what looked like a hiker. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And the guy had clothes and everything. When clothes it turned and into everything. A man. And he said it like turned into like some black form, black blob or something mm -hmm. first, right? And then, and then from that black form, it changed its form into a man, like it changed its shape. And then it started to take uh, take on like the colors and everything else of the of a person and in clothes. Yeah. This is an interesting one to me because it, it kind of just... It's not more of the same in the sense that it's like, oh, it's just it's the same old story, but it's like the more of the same of like, oh, more confusion, more questions, you know? And and the main thing that I'm kind of curious about is like, it's like the chicken or the egg kind of question, whereas is it possible that there was an actual original kind of bloodline of these creatures that were roaming around and then either demons or spirits or whatever uh, 
came onto this plane and saw those creatures and turned themselves into these creatures because you do get too many stories of like these weird astral kind of uh, dogmen or like these weird dogmen that do some very like creepy weird stuff and then you get a lot of stories like this one where they're you know mostly physical and like you know these these ones bled you know when they got shot like i mean it might i don't think it didn't might kill them didn't kill them or really affect them but they did you know make them bleed which is not something you hear all the time so it's like the question of which is which is it is it that some astral or some you know spiritual beings became dogmen and that they were so f- physical for so long that they actually kind of bred or is it that there was actually, you know, like I said earlier, something that was here first and then that these entities outside of our plane kind of imitated? <clears throat> That's what kind of ma- ma- it makes me think. And it's kind of weird to think about how this could be, you know, passed on genetically because then it's one of those things where it's like, like, what if like four generations down that pops up and there's no. You know, no, no, no one in the previous three generations that had that kind of problem, because that genetics is is weird and it works in mysterious ways. I mean, people are still trying to figure it out. So it's it's a bizarre story, and it's weird that he just came clean at the end there. And well, yeah, who's gonna believe him though? Yeah, and he's it's funny because you know, like I said in the beginning, he gave me like this kind of. Simple-minded, curly, you know, like um, big but slow kind of. Uh, that's what I thought of him, but he turned out to be like this incredible, incredibly smart and kind of devious, cunning, cunning kind of guy. Yeah. So is it that half of the bloodline that kind of made him look like that, and did his dad look like that as well? You know, they said, yeah, the dad was was really tall and and very very muscular, bigger, even more muscular, but not as not as tall as as the son. Hmm. But he was very big and muscular, like bigger, stronger looking. And, and the daughters too. Daughter's pretty big. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny how the rumors kind of spread around and how wild they got. I mean, obviously she's very abnormal looking. You know, walks around hairy and kind of barefoot but the way they made it seem was like she was basically like kept in a cage like some feral thing that they kept on a leash because mm-hmm. and they were spanish gypsies going back generations you know um you know gypsies actually originally originally come from india and a lot of these stories uh, about the cynocephali come from india uh and then you get a lot of stories about you know, werewolves, dogman, whatever, just <clears throat> out of that that region, um, all the way from the Indus Valley to the to the land of the, you know, Sri Lankans. I mean, all the way down, you get like these stories of like dog headed werewolf creature shapeshifters. You know, I mean, I don't know. Um, it makes you wonder if maybe the the gypsies coming out of India which is where they all originated from um, and spreading throughout Europe may have spread that, that legend or that, you know, um, and then of course they, they hop on a boat and they come to the new world with the, with the Europeans, you know, and I don't know. I'm, I, I, you know, I just, it's a weird thing, dude. These guys now, you know, now Mario, he lives, he lives here in the United States. And so does his uh, cousin, and they've been here for a while, and <clears throat> he is now working as an electrician uh, and doing construction. But um, his cousin uh, just lives in the city, and and you know he's just uh, he likes to paint and do all kinds of different stuff. Not like a painter who paints houses, but like you know paint pictures and stuff like that. Artist, yeah. And one of the things that his cousin does is he paints these wolf-like creatures because he. He's fascinated by, yeah. Um, after what they saw that night in the bunkhouse, I mean, it made them believers because seeing is believing. But then again, you know, seeing could be deceiving. You know, we don't know. Yeah. Any closing thoughts from you, Anthony? Uh, what you were saying about like this guy, like not really even knowing where he came from. 
like you were talking about like do they know uh i guess like are they kind of self-aware like how much how much do they know about their history yeah um it kind of reminds me of uh this show i watched which was based on a stephen king book i guess called the outsider which he actually based on uh i think something called like el cuco or something like that el cucuy no, it was, it, I think it was something different. But uh, in a nutshell, what it was is it was this shapeshifter and it was this being that, that would take that would take the form of other people and it didn't need to consume those people to take their form. It could just like imitate them and uh, it would go out in the form of other people and it was a man eater. It, it, it would consume people and then that person would get blamed for a murder, you know, um, but at the end of it, it's it's talking about like it, it's its origins and uh, I guess this thing had been alive and uh, for so long that it had lost like all sense of identity and it didn't know where it came from it didn't even know what it was it didn't know why it existed it, it didn't know how it got like that it just knew that it had to eat to survive and that it had to eat people and it like that it had to do what it was doing to survive and that's all it knew. Like it didn't, ha it didn't have any other sense of its history or identity or anything like that. And this it's thing kind was of a, a predator too, this guy. Yeah. Gordo, he was a predator. I mean, he was, they, they saw him eating a lamb or a goat, a goat I think. Um, and then they, they, they witnessed him, you know, he, he obviously ate that, that dog. He obviously ate that horse and then the men. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, that's probably like all that he knows, uh, really. I mean, is that he, he is what he is. And and that he has and that he has to do that to survive. Yeah, he I didn't guess. give him any I mean, answers, really. Yeah, or, 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 or maybe, maybe he, he didn't was, have the answers himself. Maybe he was. Maybe he. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I mean, maybe yeah, I mean, he didn't care. I mean, it, it kind of seemed like yeah, he didn't give a crap. Yeah, it, it seemed like once he found out what he was, he was like, "Yep, this is me. I'm already he just a embraced freak. it." But then he probably was that way since he was a kid. So I mean, when you care? look like that, I guess you kind of just live with <laughs> yeah. being a monster. So you're like, "Oh, yeah. a monster in, inside and out. That's cool." But I mean, like, if that's something that he inherited, then then it's like that's all he's ever known. No, well, I mean, it, it, he just thought himself as weird until his dad transformed in front of him. So, like, I, I'm sure, like, he's had some, a period of his life where he was like, I don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah. So, that must have been terrifying for him. Well, they kept the bloodline going because his own sister and him, I, th I guess, had a, you know, a child, I guess. Yeah. Dogs be weird. But eventually, like, what if they keep reproducing like and then generation like with each subsequent, subsequent generation, generation they start to lose the, their sense of history identity and eventually it just gets to the point where it's like that thing on the outsider where all it knows is that it is what it is i mean they're kind of already at that point i mean as far as they're concerned they're just spanish gypsies i mean wolf was the one that said that spanish gypsies came from india but they had no idea well, all about gypsies that. did they yeah so like india. i mean i doubt they really looked into it that far to be like okay where did we come from oh india okay what parts yeah. of india did and uh, i mean like how did they Get like that, get like that. Yeah, like that. I mean, they probably don't even know like where it started, how, why, nothing. And it and, could have been something that they brought from India or something that they uh, uh, got from the Europeans or both. You know, yeah. what I'm actually really curious about is I wonder if he's deformed, not because he's a dog man, but because of inbreeding. And it's like mm -hmm. it, it, the inbreeding affects his human form, but it doesn't really affect that. That dog man form or whatever and it kind of just like it doesn't care about it so that's why it doesn't affect them when they do it like, like yeah we can continue doing it who cares because like they see themselves as more bestial than than humans yeah well we may never know it's a very odd story folks and i um, glad we could bring it to you but uh, that's all the time we have for tonight thank you for tuning in to prt good night <laughs>